It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. It's been reported that autism affects approximately 1 in 44 children in the United States, and it impacts all racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic groups. Today's guest, Holly Robinson Pete's son, RJ, was diagnosed with autism at age 3. Her journey with RJ empowered her to take an active role in advocating for people with autism. In her new book, Charlie Makes a Splash, which she co-wrote with RJ, Holly shares awareness about autism with other kids who have been touched by it in some way. Holly is an actress, singer, and activist. She is known for her roles on 21 Jump Street, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, and For Your Love. She also served as one of the original co-hosts of the CBS daytime show, The Talk. Welcome, Holly. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Happy to join you. So, Holly, you've been doing such important work raising awareness and advocating for children and families that are impacted by autism. And as I said in the introduction, your journey began when your son was three years old. Can you tell us what you were experiencing with RJ at that time that led to his diagnosis? We were experiencing a disconnect with our son, with his twin sister and his typical peers. He wasn't making eye contact. He wasn't speaking and he wasn't really connecting with his friends. There was like a disconnect. And so, you know, being rookie parents, this is our first kids, a set of twins, we started off with two, we really didn't know what was going on, and we were very confused, um, and um, we ended up getting the diagnosis when he was three, but I knew at two that there was something not quite uh, right uh, at the time, uh, and so it was an interesting journey, but we finally did get the diagnosis at three years old. They always say a mother knows what's really going on, and the one thing that I've heard from some moms that have had a similar diagnosis with their children is that it really was a difficult journey to get that diagnosis. Was that the case for you? Getting the diagnosis was not easy. I ran into conditions that sort of just said, oh, well, he's a twin boy and boys develop slower than girls. Like I, I kept hearing a lot of excuses for his, for his behavior and the way he was processing life. It was disturbing to me. Like you said, we mamas know we have that mommy gut and it's usually like 99.9% right. And so I just felt a little disenfranchised because I felt like both my husband and my pediatrician and a lot of people just were sort of not seeing. And so when he finally did get to the diagnosis at three, I really have to say I kind of beat myself up because I felt like, wow, that's that's a whole year of intervention that I lost. So I'm always encouraging people that when you feel this, if you're a mom or, or dad or and you feel like this diagnosis is, is something that could be, go, go out and try to get it uh, because the more time and the earlier that you intervene, the better. I recently had a conversation with a mom who, when she was pregnant, she got the news that she was going to deliver a Down syndrome baby. And... You know, when when we are 
planning our families. We never think about what could go wrong. And we have all of these expectations for the type of life that we believe our child will live. When you got this news about RJ, what was that like for you? It was a very difficult diagnosis because as new parents, we didn't know anything about autism. We didn't have any experience or know anybody or any families that were, you know, that in diagnosis. So for us, it was very jarring. It was a, a swift kick in the gut. And then we were told things our son would never do and be and it was really difficult too it was like wait a second you're telling us that our three-year-old is never gonna have a meaningful job he's never gonna be able to drive or live on his own so i just thought that was a really tough way to hear it and so i'm always telling kids uh telling people families do not let anybody set expectations for your child it's one of the reasons why we wanted to share our story even though the autism spectrum disorder diagnosis is different for everybody, we all have different experiences, but we felt as we shared our story that it would provide a little bit more hope, and uh, I believe it has, and it's just been very gratifying to, to be part of that process. Hearing a story like yours, it absolutely would offer some hope to parents, because like you said, there are so many people that are out there ready to tell you all the negatives, all the things that your child will never be able to do. And I, I can't even imagine what it's like to navigate something like that because it's hard to hold on to hope when you're being told that constantly. Yeah, it is hard. It's hard to hold on to hope when you don't have resources either. So we had a lot of resources, but we were missing the hope. And so um, one of the reasons why we decided to get into, you know, philanthropy and help others with our Hollywood Foundation is because, you know, what if you didn't have the resources to get your child the intervention? What then? And so that's part of our, our advocacy for other families. But you're right. It's absolutely very difficult. It's easy to say, stay hopeful, stay up, stay positive. But when you don't have the resources to support what you're being told, if someone tells you early intervention and you can't access that, or as we spoke earlier about a diagnosis, sometimes even getting the diagnosis is so difficult that you, you know, you lose that time in there. So a lot of things that are at play when it comes to getting the diagnosis and when it comes to helping these parents uh, process the autism diagnosis. Holly, you've been navigating this journey for many years. What changes have you seen, good or bad? Oh, well, I, the biggest change I've seen is the shift from autism awareness to autism acceptance, which is awesome. Like, that is great, because even when we wrote um, our first children's book, My Brother Charlie, back in um, about 12 years ago, the goal was to get autism awareness to make people and to young kids and children aware of what autism was so they would become more accepting, uh, accepting of what autism is. But then doing this new book, My, Charlie Makes a Splash, we wanted to bring RJ's voice in and make and really focus more on autism acceptance and autism love. Um, and so that's the biggest change I've seen in the narrative. I've also seen a lot of change in um, the way that people with autism self-identify. So you know, when we diagnosed it was a lot of, you know, a child has autism and it's child first language. And there's a large movement of people who are like my son's age who identify as autistic people and they want to be accepted that way. So I think that's a big change that I've seen as well. In your book, Charlie shows the world that he has autism, but autism doesn't have him. What does that mean? It means for RJ and for his alter ego, Charlie, means that it's not everything 
it doesn't, it's not who he is. It's a part of him. And, you know, getting back to some of the, you know, the sort of actually autistic groups out there on social media, like they really have embraced, you know, being autistic. For RJ, and I do think it, that self-identity is a preference, he likes to call himself with autism. It's part of who he is. It's not something that is all of him. So when he said it doesn't have me, it's just, and he really means that it's not going to hold him back from realizing things in his life that he wants to do. You said earlier, Holly, that you got involved doing this work because you wanted to offer hope and help other people. How has sharing your story helped you and your family? Well, when we first got the diagnosis, there was a lot of confusion, hurt, you know, guilt, and conversations about, you know, just processing this diagnosis and and disappointment. Like, you know, you, you mourn, you mourn you know, what you thought your child was going to be. And so you really do go through it. Um, and then as we started to accept it more, um, as my husband started to sort of process his denial and move off of that, we knew we should share our story to, to help raise awareness and make autism families feel less alone and more seen and normalized. So um, that was part of the goal. But I will say this, when we started processing whether or not we wanted to talk about it publicly, um, there was a little bit of pushback, especially from my husband who didn't want his son to be the poster child for autism. But now I look up and he's almost 25 and, you know, he's been such an amazing light for so many people. When I see the reaction of meeting RJ from some of these autism families, he, you know, it's a, it's a little rock star. Like, it's just, and you know, he's just the most innocent kid. He does, he's, he has no real clear view of how much he's impacted the autism world and his advocacy and sharing his story. But it really has changed the world in a lot of ways. And I, you know, I, I famously always say I wouldn't change RJ for the world because he's this amazing, quirky, fun, different kind of guy who swims to his own rhythm. Um, but I would try to change the world for RJ. I would try to make this world an easier place for him to process life. Tell us a little bit more about RJ. What is his life like now? RJ's life is pretty amazing. Um, when he was three, we were told he would never have meaningful employment. And now he has his dream job. He works as a, a clubhouse attendant for the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball team, you know, the number one baseball team in the whole MLB. And uh, he has been nothing short of a blessing and a wrapped inside a miracle wrapped inside a dream. Like I could just stop thinking about this team that hired him when he was 18, gave him his first job and he will never not be a Dodger. He's in his seventh season. Um, you know, it, it, not to be funny, but like people with autism, they have a particular set of skills and what his skills and being able to memorize things and understand numbers in a different way uh, really works well in the baseball world. Um, and so every time, you know, it's like Autism Awareness Month or something, or I'll put out like a tweet or post saying, thank you, Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, my goodness, RJ has a World Series ring. Oh, my gosh. I thank them and I thank the players because this is the first time he really has had a community of friends in his entire life. Yeah. And they love him. They accept him for who he is. They love how different he is. That's what makes him so special. And they're always telling me, stop thanking us. We should be thanking you because he brings such joy and light and, and positivity to the clubhouse. 
And um, it's just an absolute dream that he has this job. And at Hollywood Foundation, we have job fairs because we know that people with autism, people on the spectrum can bring their gifts to a workplace. It's just about hiring inclusively and understanding that. And more and more um, corporations are understanding the power of hiring inclusively, which is great. Holly, tell us more about Holly Rod Foundation and how can we help? Well, Holly Rod Foundation was founded because my father had Parkinson's disease. He was an amazing man, just a fantastic man, and was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at 46. Pretty young. That's young onset Parkinson's. And we started Holly Rod because we wanted to help families impacted by Parkinson's with compassionate care. Um, when we got the diagnosis of autism later on, when RJ was born and then um, sort of regressed into autism, we knew we had to support those families. And so we do, along with job fairs and job training, we also provide um, pads and, and tablets. We support families with caregiving and um, spousal support, sibling support. So we're really all about helping the family comprehensively. And how can we help you? Well, you know, donations are always amazing at hollyrod.org. But I always tell people that the way to really support and donate and give back is your time and your compassion. So if you can't cut a check, then you know, find a family in your neighborhood that's impacted by autism or at your church or in your community and help them. Ask them if they need anything. Sometimes it might be as simple as, you know, um, babysitting the other siblings or giving the mom or dad a night out um, and giving a caregiver some respite. So I'm always encouraging people. Of course, I love donations for Holly Rod. Those are key and they keep us going. But it's also important just to be compassionate to autism families in your own community. Holly, from all that you've learned over the years, what is the best advice that you can offer to parents of an autistic child? I would say the best advice, well, first of all, I would say that if you are getting the diagnosis today or recently, good news is that you have so many resources and, and ways to roll up your sleeves and get your child the help and intervention that they so desperately need. There are some great organizations out there. You know, East Seals is one. A lot of people don't realize how much Easter Seals does in the autism community. So just exhaust your resources, build a team around your son or daughter, and make sure that they that you spend time with your siblings as well, with your other with the other children. Give them one-on-one -on -one time so that they feel connected to you outside of their affected sibling. Uh, it's a big job, but uh, you can do it. And there are so many resources. And um, and I would say shamelessly that Charlie Makes a Splash is a great book. If you are if you have a, are a family of a young child who is headed, who is in school, and you would like your child's class to understand what autism is, um, and also there's great resources in the back of Charlie Makes a Splash, please get this book. And once again, that book is Charlie Makes a Splash. Holly, where can our listeners go to get more information about you, the foundation, and your work? You can go to hollyrod.org to find out more about what Hollyrod Foundation does. And um, I'm everywhere on social media at HollyRP. I love it when people chime in. I read all my mentions and love to hear about the book, how it impacted you, or if it changed you, or if you have any suggestions, or... You know, I'm very, I love connecting with people. I think 
social media is so good in that way that it can connect us all directly. And um, I'd love to hear from you. Holly, thank you so much for joining us. As I said, you are doing such important work, and I'm really honored that you were able to spend this time with us to help our listeners. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. I'm so glad to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.